Hello and uh, welcome to Future Talk with myself, Sam Kluska and Harry Moy. Harry, uh, how are you today? Yeah, I'm all right. Thank you, Sam. I'm really looking forward to uh, to getting my haircut once the uh, once the restrictions <laughs> in the UK are, are lifted. I think this will be going up quite a bit after that. But how have yeah, you uh, have it. you been dealing with it? What have you been trying to do with it? Nothing really. I've just realised I'm slowly kind of growing a mullet, <laughs> and it's growing quite um, quite uncontrollable, and just generally steering away from public mm. uh, until I can get it until I can get it cut. Uh, but I know that you're you're growing yours, though, aren't you? Well, I mean, it's been a good opportunity, hasn't it? Nobody's actually seen me beyond my my girlfriend, so it's been a great opportunity to just grow, go through those stages where it looks absolutely dog shit, and try and get it all in a bun. But I think I've got a long way to go still. So, we'll see. are you still? Do you still want to get the man bun? Uh, yeah, uh, you know, let's let's not say man bun because that kind of people think top knot, which is like like shaved sides and back. But I want like the whole thing in a. In a big, big old burn, I guess. But I wouldn't call it a man burn. I hate that phrase. You want to go Viking style? Oh, yeah. We're going to try it. I mean, it's come to the point where, like, I can't have my hair either not in a cap or with a headband on because hair in my face is just, like, really problematic. It's, like, super annoying. Um, Just, like, stupid things like being in bed and, like, your hair just kind of, like, falls over your face and it's, like, really annoying. And obviously, we're yet to hit, like, hot weather as well. So I wonder how it's going to be in, like, real hot weather. And when you're when you're all sweaty and like it starts sticking to the sweat. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm gonna be starting American football soon. So how is that in the helmet and stuff like that? It's gonna be really annoying. So it might come to the point where I just like chop it all off, but we'll see. You just could go all the way down to like a number one. Yeah, buzz literally. cut, buzz cut style. <laughs> <laughs> so um, today we're uh, we're talking about whether the rapture will come. So um, is this going to be sort of a Bible bashing episode, or do you want to elaborate? Yeah, so I thought I was being really clever with the title of Will the Rapture Come? Uh, yeah, a bit of clickbait. But <laughs> we're, we're not looking at it from a, a religious context, but from a uh, video game context. So you've got Rapture in Bioshock. So Bioshock is a, it was a game that came out, um, one of the early games of the Xbox 360. So it's about, I think it's about 15 years old, which... Oh, no, is it, or 14 years old around that around that time frame which terrifies me thinking about it that it's that it's that old now uh, but it's a game about uh this kind of underwater sit, uh, city that exists where there's no rules there's no government it's um but it's descended into chaos it's like descended into anarchy because of uh, i think because of drugs i think it was drugs and stuff like that that kind of caused Plasmas, it to, wasn't uh, it? yeah yeah uh, but the the kind of the principles of that of this eccentric businessman, uh, which was Andrew Ryan in the game, the character of Andrew Ryan, who creates this city, and whether we will ever see that happen now. You know, we've got these these very wealthy individuals now with people like, you know, I mean, Bezos is worth nearly 200 billion. Uh, Elon Musk is similar. Um, Mark Zuckerberg, you know, there's, there's lots of people that are now worth over $100 billion. And governments are coming for them. Government wants governments want to tax them. There's a general uh, anti-billionaire sentiment now. I think it, it's fair to say there's a lot of people that are like, you know, tax the billionaires down with the billionaires. Why would anyone uh, need a billion? Whatever. I don't think realizing that actually uh, a lot of that uh, money is illiquid. You know, mm-hmm. Jeff Bezos doesn't have two hundred billion in cash. Uh, he's probably got far less in cash. Yeah. But with this sentiment. Will we see the likes of uh, Elon Musk going, fuck you, I'm building my own city, which he's kind of done with California. So there's a thing about how he was in California and there was a California state legislator um, who uh, tweeted, fuck Elon Musk. Elon Musk responded, message received, and now he lives in Texas, Mm -hmm. which has a lot lower uh, tax. Yeah, so it's um it's really interesting actually. I think the accumulation of wealth for these private companies and and specifically the people at the top. I think we looked at Bill Gates and what he did with Microsoft, and people were like quite impressed with the wealth that he managed to accumulate. But it's kind of being like superseded now, tenfold it seems. Um, and like another point about the private companies is like what they're capable of achieving compared to governments. And you look at the the space race now, which is like completely privatized. And just the advancements that Elon and SpaceX have managed to do in terms of rocket science, it's, it's kind of like, well, can private companies do it better? 
and why should a city be any different for them to tackle as a as a problem to solve and make better yeah and whether they do it on land i mean there's the thing about it's nevada isn't it the state of nevada is opening up to allow startups to form their own cities but even then that's still going to be within the um within the, the realms of state and federal law mm-hmm. so they will still have to follow uh, you know the, the rules i do wonder whether we will see uh, this seasteading movement ever really come forward which is this idea of building cities above water that are in international waters where no government nobody really has any jurisdiction and them being able to be self-governing in these cities yeah because i mean not on that scale it kind of already exists isn't it in certain countries where they've had i think it was the grand tour on the uh sea seaman episode or the seaway episode and um they had they went to like a floating market and it was all completely on on water and they like basically the the comedy of it was is they drove their giant boats through this market um, and i was like crashing into all these different like floating markets um it's kind of like something that is already imagined as well. If you've ever seen the film Waterworld, and that's basically no. so it's like a it's like an old film, I think from the eighties, um, whereby it is this sort of like Mad Max era, but they're all living on water, um, and that's kind of like I guess seasteading, but like early early imagination of it, um, which you know is standard sci-fi, right? Like you think of these imaginative ideas, and then in thirty years you go, oh shit, it's actually a thing. Like yeah. it's, it's all too common <laughs> nowadays. Yeah. And I think the thing about seasteading is it's kind of like, well, a lot of it is on water and it's, so there's, there's pretty much fuck all to do, right? Mm. Like it's, it's, you've got a city on the water, there's no, but then like, if you're not somebody that does really care about nature and, and going for like long walks and stuff, like it might be fine. Like I can imagine that to some level, if, if it is able to build this really large city, then the same way that you've got people that live in New York or live in London, they'll probably still feel somewhat at home in a way in uh, in a in a, a floating metropolis, mm. even if they can't go to um, they can't easily go to. I mean, you probably end up seeing like fake parks. You probably end up seeing like yeah. them trying to to have some level of nature. But it's uh, kind of in these in these fake cities. I think it's like it's kind of baffling though, right? Because surely being on the sea is one of the most dangerous places to be, should there be like you know a bad storm. Whereas if you have a bad storm on land, it's like, I mean, the ground beneath you doesn't fucking move. So it's like, okay, we're getting bashed by like ninety mile per hour winds and a bit of rain, but on land it's kind of fine. But it sounds like if you were like seasteading, it's like, oh shit, like we're gonna really be in, yeah. in the thick of it here. And well, you're a Star Wars fan. Mm-hmm. Camino, like oh. Camino. I mean, when Obi Wan Kenobi visits Camino, yeah. which is a which was built on a lot of water, yeah, it is it is fucking raining. Yeah, but it, I mean, but it's... when 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 Django escapes, yeah, there is uh, you know there's a lot of um, there's a there's a massive storm. Yeah, because Camino's doing it right. Camino's chilling. Well, I was thinking then. So, like, are you talking about floating cities or like Camino is? Um... It's like almost like a city on stilts, isn't it? Which kind of exists in sort of like Thailand and stuff. They have an extension of their land whereby they are like putting poles into the seabed, and that's like the platform for the like the rest of the village, as it was. Which is kind of like what Camino is. It's like huge um, structures that are like embedded into the ground, a bit like um, you know, like the oil uh, factories or whatever out, out in the seas. I don't know what the actual name for them is refineries oil refineries yeah like they're like a permanent feature there aren't they and giant like steel rods that go all the way down to the seabed and that's kind of a bit more sturdy than just like i don't know a city on top of like empty water bottles or something like that (laughs) flotations i think that's what yeah i think it would have to be where it's kind of fixed because then there's the chance that you end up floating into uh into the waters of uh, it like the coast of say (laughs) Uh, you know, the US or someone and and potentially end up crashing into things as well, like crashing into like cruise ships and uh, and things like that. But then, but then you would, one of the things I wonder as well, like just thinking about that is uh, piracy and whether you'll end up having, like, cause these people would like, if you had the city, uh, they would have to have some sort of like standing military or something or some sort of defense because you'll end up getting pirates coming over, trying to, 
to ransack the place. Yeah, I guess um, if you're like a, a freight ship and on the radar, you haven't got just like one dot, you've just like got a cluster of dots and it's basically a whole fucking city coming to like attack you. <laughs> just like slowly floating towards you. To just well, I was thinking the other way around. Okay. So I was thinking that, the, that these people are then uh, like, like the, the pirates themselves. So you know, like we've got like Somali pirates. Yeah. That they are attacking the city. Okay, yeah. And trying to ransack the city because the city, because like what, I mean, what are the laws in, because it's the thing, the point is there are no laws. So does that mean they can just like have cannons and stuff and be like pew, 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 and like shoot the the pirates as they come? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like your the edges of your city are just like armed to the teeth with uh, mounted machine guns and stuff like that. Is that what yeah. you're saying? Yeah. But then, but then I think you, I mean, with, with, with what you were saying, like that then also poses a risk to the freight ships because then <laughs> what stops this city from being a belligerent and attacking the cruise ships and mm. attacking the freight ships and uh, yeah. doing that? Like it's, it is, like I just wonder, like it's, it is, it is going to be crazy, I think. You could have like propellers basically like, as well as machine guns, you could have just like propellers on every part of the edge of the city so that it'd be like, like unidirectional in where <laughs> it can go. Yeah. Or it can actually fly. <laughs> okay, yeah, all right. Like it could, it could actually like lift up because this, this is the kind of stuff that is in sci-fi of like, I think float, like not floated cities, but not just on sea, but actually going and lifting up and and yeah. going into the sky. I mean, that's the, the Bioshock Infinite, which is the spiritual successor to Bioshock. Well, I say spiritual successor. Sorry, it's like a, it's not a, an official sequel to Bioshock. It's mm-hmm. like it's set in the same universe. That's in Colombia, which is in the sky. Yeah, and um, the Netflix show Altered Carbon, I think they had like an elite city, which was like in the sky as well, where like anything goes basically. And like they got to some like real dark, twisted stuff up there. But again, it's kind of like symbolism with money, power, and then this like sick, dark, twisted world that has like basically gone into tatters because there's been no laws for rich people to stop what like doing whatever they wanted yeah and i guess that comes with the anti-rich bias as well Mm -hmm. so that's assuming that these things do descend into chaos because you've got a megalomaniac billionaire that just sort of loses control or or whatever and everything just descends into chaos but i guess if we were to take the opposite lens to that and think about it as a well, what if it became a utopia? What what's the utopian view of it uh, of what could be achieved? Because if you remove, say, regulations and and all of that, then in you know in in the fact that we've discussed in in our last episode, which was about immortality, and you know, there's the view that there's that regulations can really impede that, and we've talked about cultural change impeding, sorry, culture impeding technology change, mm-hmm. and some of that comes from a regulatory aspect as well. Well, in a world where there there isn't that, what could be achieved? I don't know. I just, I'm not sure if it's just me being a pessimist or or what, but I think I'm, I'm thinking back to um, like The Matrix, the movie, whereby the robots... So I have never seen The Matrix. So I can't believe you haven't. Which feels really, which, which I think to some is a really bad thing for me to say, but I've never seen The Matrix. Especially like the topics we talk about, I think it touches upon certain aspects. It's a little bit cheesy, but... Um, at the same time, I think like the writing of it is like, whoa, like this could this could be a thing. But anyway, the the machines in the Matrix they create like a utopia for humans to live in, but it's all it's all VR. Um, and they basically alluded to that the the first utopia they 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 made, um, the humans eventually found a way to like be unhappy within it, and it would just like turn to chaos. And in fact, what they had to do was make a Matrix that resembled Chicago in like nineteen nineties. With all the gubbins, so like, you know, poverty, homelessness, drug abuse, like all the, you know, the the shit we have to deal with in like day-to-day life, as opposed to this like utopian perfect life. And I think the the point of that is it's really hard for people to think about what a utopia actually is because we're all so different. So utopia for me could be something completely different than utopia for you, for example. So there's always going to be disagreement and like, especially in today's world where like, offensive culture and stuff like this it's like always going to be a disagreement how can you ever create a utopia that's perfect for a city's worth amount of people like i don't Mm. i'm kind of like skeptic that that's that that would ever happen and i almost feel like elon would build this city and he's like oh yeah this is perfect 
and then it would still somehow turn to tatters, even though, you know, I think Elon is quite a good man and he isn't somebody that money and power gets to his head. He just wants to just excel the human race, but he's not in control of everybody, is he? So I, I like your point about, about utopia and, and the different perspectives of utopia, because thinking about it, I think a utopia differs for everyone in the fact, and, and, and what I mean is like, your perspective of utopia today could very well be different in like a week's time or when you're actually living in the utopia. Yeah. So like I think about like my utopia, my utopia is Las Vegas with an unlimited amount of cash, right? Mm -hmm. That's utopia. But I can then see how that would eventually like kill me or (laughs) it would make things really, really, not really bad. Yeah. And then come say uh, like the first week is like, oh my God, this is amazing. But then as the weeks go on, it's no longer utopia. I'm like, oh, I'm sick of this now. Yeah, which happens, and, and isn't it? Different, and, and that's the thing. Like, I can't imagine there ever being a single utopia for anyone. Like, any one person's utopia, when they actually are living in it, that, that there is one. Yeah, and like... And, and it stays, and it doesn't change. Immediately, I think there's a flaw in your utopia, whereby you said you go to Vegas with unlimited cash. But so, surely, like, part of the buzz of Vegas is winning cash. But if you have unlimited cash, then winning the cash yeah, isn't anything. It's, it's just no big deal. So you wouldn't yeah. even be on the slots or anything like that. You'd just be partying, I guess. But, you know, I've, I've done a couple of like... craps table, just <laughs> constantly being like, yeah, yeah, even though... Yeah, and well, oh, like, no after big deal. day one, it's not... Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, otherwise, you know, we, we've been on sort of like boozy holidays and there comes to a point where you're like, I just kind of want to go home and get a bit of normality, which is bound yeah. to think about. That, I think that's the thing. Like when when we when we were in Vegas, it was we'd have it'd be there'd be a boozy day and then there'd be a non boozy day. Mm. And I think if we just had boozy days for the week that we were in Vegas, eventually we would got tired. Like come day four or five. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like that's the thing. Like people probably think about utopia as well as not going to work, but it's probably impossible for you to live in this like beautiful citadel and not work because I imagine they'll want you to work to fuel the economy of the city. Well, I mean, it's also like, what what do you do with your time? Like for me, like personally, if, if I'm staying at home, if I'm not going abroad or anything, then when I have, when I go on, um, when I have holiday leave, so, I mean, in, in, in the UK, we've got like what, I think statutory 21 days mm-hmm. paid leave. I get 28 days leave, but it varies based upon your company the company that you work for uh, and you have to use it in the space of a year otherwise it's 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 taken away so you get to the position where sometimes you're getting told right you need to take leave yeah i can't take leave for a week and not go abroad or go away or go on or say abroad but go on a trip somewhere i can't stay at home for a week because i just get really bored yeah and after after day two or day three i'm now like okay i'm actually going to do work <laughs> i just i just can't do it yeah. And like, I think Americans are kind of the same though, right? In that they get less leave, but I imagine them going on leave is probably like quite an alien feeling because they are just like work, 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 work. Um, and I think even their working day is like longer than ours as well. So like the, why I mentioned that is like, is it just a conditioning thing whereby we're kind of conditioned in this, this life to like work a 40 hour week. And by removing that, we kind of do feel a bit lost. I think humans do inherently feel like they need to be doing something in order to get like the happiness back and like those that are depressed and stuff like that they don't they go up they get up late they don't want to go out they don't want to socialize and these are all things that kind of like work in forces that you do you have to get up early you have to go out socialize with other people maybe that's a bit different post pandemic but i think as long as you could still have those things and feel like you're being productive towards a goal of something it might not necessarily be for a company in this new city but something along those lines that keep you the, the the building blocks of being happy basically is to be busy and social so it's like how can you replace that if you don't work yeah i mean in 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 essence if you, if we are looking at from a work perspective and there is no company i mean does this utopia become a coming to state i literally yeah that's what i was thinking because you're working for the city, right? So if you think nothing else exists outside, the city is kind of then the country at the same time because there's nothing else that governs it outside of that. So there's no federal law. There's no like UK law. It's like the city's law. 
So in a way that's kind of, to me, is like, well, that is the country that you're in then. And like, if you're working for the city, then it is communistic, surely. But then also the idea of like libertarianism is, is really, really small government to the point in which you can have, say, anarchism. Mm. How much law is there? But is there much law? And who decides what the law is? Yeah. And yeah, if, if is it a dictatorial kind of thing where this, this billionaire, this hypothetical billionaire, they're the sole person in charge? And, and who would want to live there if it was like a dictatorial state? Because mm. I mean, would you want to move to somewhere where there isn't a... Because it's the thing, like, they've got to like attract people as well. Yeah. Like to join their city. Would you want to move somewhere that isn't democratic? No, probably not. But is that is that because of the conditioning that I have being in the Western world? Is it just that I can't imagine living that way or like not in that way in another place? And I just don't know what's good for me. If that makes sense. So are, are you are you saying that it'd be okay to live in a dictate, <laughs> like a dictator's rule? Provided they're a nice dictator. Well, yeah, that's the thing. And that's a big, it's a big gamble on one person, isn't it? So I just... I'm not sure. What happens when they die? What happens when they die? Yeah. I mean, if they die, I mean, based upon what we were discussing in the last episode, if they die. If they die, yeah, yeah. Or say they did die, and perhaps it's just some sort of like AI replacement, which is the exact same personality as the person that died. That's terrifying. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure. You know, the way I think of it now is actually, if I was to move to one of these cities, the appeal would be similar to Miami, where it needs to be in a real good location. You get the CERN. All of that other stuff that is, you know, nice about Miami. But then at the same time, you're getting, for me, it's the technology. So like I want brand new roads that are like solar paneled and can light up and, you know, change how the the roads look and your car park space and stuff. Like just like the infrastructure stuff that is modern day, like because they've been able to build it in like Nevada desert from the ground up. You know, your solar panel roads that can light up in a different way if, if there's road works going on. Um, you know, these like smart buildings that you've seen, I think when we were at a uh, university, that, that was a smart building that would open the windows automatically depending on a certain temperature to like regulate the temperature and stuff like that. Um, just like really small, small infrastructural things, which combined, like give you that feeling of being in like a really modern city, like a modern, clean city. That's kind of all I would imagine having. And I suppose it's the kind of stuff that can't be, uh, that you can't get with, existing infrastructure yeah so a lot of cities now they're too too far gone they're too far gone so they can't have a lot of this stuff because it would mean ripping up the existing infrastructure and and trying to start again which Mm -hmm. isn't possible because it'd just be too disruptive yeah i mean that's an interesting thought because we we had this discussion before on um on clubhouse about like a city and if we were to build our own city i suppose to extent that's what this idea is of 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 rapture is like what would happen if somebody was to be able to build their own city and, and always start again. Yeah. And yeah, we'd, we'd have like the solar panel roads, hyperloop mm-hmm. tunnels. So basically just Elon's Elon Musk's dream. Uh, we'd have uh, Tesla powers. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I, I was big on of like having a, a decentralized uh, electric grid. So it's uh you know, you, you, everyone is participating in it. Mm hmm. And if you imagine it like a, uh, you know, you, you think of it like a blockchain, but for electricity and people have got their, their, um, they are all producing electricity and they're all consuming electricity. And then that gets distributed to the people that are consuming more and building just generally for renewable energy. So that way there's, there's no need for, um, for oil and gas. Yeah. It's just self-sustaining. Absolutely. You mentioned about blockchain. So like we, the city could have its own token, no sort of central bank, like just making making the city prosperous by making it accessible both digitally and physically. So like we're talking Hyperloop to the city center. We're talking API driven infrastructure in in terms of like digitally. So like we can interact with other cities as long as they're doing it through sort of our means and forcing Mm. the cities around us to, you know, come to our level basically. Um, And the most basic needs are API driven. So things like identity is, mm -hmm. is an API. Uh, and I guess in a way that is kind of, I think it's probably as libertarian as you can get while not descending into anarchy. Because if you've got a decentralized banking system, nobody's got singular control over the banking system. The electricity, so uh, I mean, the, the one that would be quite difficult is like water. 
I mean, this is my my view. I mean, I've I've spoken to my dad about this, and he thought I was just mental for, for this <laughs> idea, which was basically decentralized water, okay. where through like rainfall, everyone's like water butts. So water butt being a, a thing that you have in your garden that, I mean, I'm not sure, I, I might, they must have these kinds of things in America and other countries, but I guess we just rain a lot. So uh, we get, there's a lot lot more people with water butts. It takes the water from your drains and it goes in into the butt. And then that way you can use that water butt to water your, your garden. Yeah. But I wonder whether they could potentially in the future be all networked together in a way whereby it does the cleaning it has the water filtration so it comes out clean water but you've effectively got decentralized water and everyone's kind of got like peer-to-peer water yeah that's a good point i mean obviously it is completely geographical based isn't it like in the uk that'd be a great solution but obviously we were talking about like nevada desert i think we'd be struggling there wouldn't we to have some sort of yeah. decentralized water but on the sea yeah so you all you would need is just a a good way to change like the sea salt out or get rid of the sea salt out of the water and make it drinkable um which i think is like a, a big problem right i don't think anyone's managed to solve that issue no otherwise no. they'd be porting that straight to you know the african country uh, yeah african countries sorry but a billionaire would probably be able to solve it <laughs> <laughs> well you you throw enough money at a problem and um in a few years time the problem will be solved but like yeah. that's that's what i mean like the private space race isn't that just like the best example of throw enough money at something and it will happen? Like yeah. they're they're fucking they're they're launching rockets in reverse is kind of what I like to call it. Like they're relanding rockets. It's insane. It literally looks like you're watching a video in reverse. It's stupid. And like NASA would never have got there in a million years because it's reliant on government money, and that's probably because of the political reasonings. Like they they weren't simply getting as as much money as they used to get when it was a political race. I think part of it also comes from the uh, from the in, like the entrenchment of thought of the fact that uh, they are so deep in their thought of how rockets need to be built. Mm-hmm. But with SpaceX and with Elon Musk coming in and realising how expensive it was to, to build a rocket, if you were to build it, say, according to how NASA says that you need to build a rocket, it's, it was extraordinary, uh, extraordinarily high more than... Uh, how much it does cost them to, to build the rockets. So he came in with a different viewpoint on how to on how to build a rocket uh, by going down to this idea of like the first principles thinking, going, well, what is a rocket? What do you need? What are the, the, the fundamentals of building a rocket? Mm. And then sourcing the materials to do that and then building that. And it turns out that by doing that, it makes it a lot cheaper. But that's because you've got somebody that's come in from a different perspective. And that's one of the other benefits that you've seen from the private space race is the fact that they're not encumbered by legacy, legacy, legacy thought. They've got new thought and they can bring in new fresh perspectives on how to do things. Uh, and that's, yeah. And that's where the private space race is really kicking off. And hopefully soon, you know, the way the space race is, is, is we've got, you've got SpaceX and Blue Origin. So Blue Origin is uh, Bezos's um, space, uh, space company. And then you've got kind of China as well. Uh, yeah. Just that they've got space ambitions. It'd be interesting to see a few more companies try and enter, try and enter the private space race, uh, just because there's the view that, that competition breeds innovation. And I mm-hmm. think you do see it as well. I think in the same way that as more companies have released electric cars, we've seen Tesla up in their electric car game and just the general state of electric cars has gotten much, much better because of the amount of competition. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully, yeah, we, we see the same, but for, for space. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And would that same competition then exist in building cities? Yeah, but then what is the benefit of bringing people to your city, I suppose? I guess they would try and monetize it. That's kind of the only the only driver, isn't it? Because that's why they want to get the space race on, isn't it? Because it, they're going to make money from it in the end. Like you look at Starlink, and obviously they're going to be selling broadband. And I bet other people have gone, oh, shit, this could probably make a, like a load of money. They're going to have like quite a large market share in rural broadband. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I, I was talking to my dad about this yesterday, asteroid mining. Yeah. That's going to be worth a lot of money. I think I've actually got a book on asteroid mining. Yeah, I have. It's called Mining in the Sky. I haven't actually read it yet. But I'm pretty sure it's something like three, in the asteroids that are above us, there's about $3 trillion worth in precious metals. 
it's believed that's in asteroids currently. Yeah. But then you also consider the fact that there's potentially elements that we've not even discovered yet. Yeah. And and the potential that that can deliver. Yeah, which again, you know, it's kind of sci-fi, isn't it? Is that an, another intelligent alien race have like far superior technology to us simply because the native metal to them is is a different metal that can conduct X, Y, Z electricity or, you know, that other like crazy craziness. But yeah, it seems uh, it just could go in any direction, couldn't it? I, the whole the whole asteroid mining thing does make me laugh because it's almost like oh shit we have like a 10 minute window while this thing whizzes by us to like mine the fuck out of it and all you see is this like asteroid coming towards earth and then just like a fleet of like miners just like swarm <laughs> it basically yeah trying to it's, it always is like a race isn't it like who can get onto it first and, yeah and extract the most and then there's the question of uh what is the sovereignty of asteroids but who owns that? Who owns an asteroid? Yeah, because isn't that, isn't that same question being raised about like if you were to make a base on Mars? Yeah, like how does how does that govern it? <laughs> yeah, and that to an extent is an extension of the conversation about rapture. Yeah, and what you could potentially see with Mars is that somebody, Elon Musk, for example, colonizes Mars, and uh, and with that he's a, he's free to create his own society. Yeah, because with the Bioshock Rapture, obviously it's deep under sea, isn't it? So. It's kind of this, yes, we're in a city, but it's like really hard to access for anyone that wanted to bring back control if they knew it was getting out of yeah. control. So yeah, it's, uh, it just, I just can't imagine a, a way where it actually works out like, well, I can only imagine it going terrible. I just think like, like democratic states and, and government, I think is kind of the product of thousands of years of civilization evolving and sort of coming to a point where it's like no yeah we can run this like relatively well now and i think like if you look back to like medieval times how did that form like, how did that hierarchy form where i mean it started with like monarchy but then there is like a hierarchical structure that just seemed to naturally form for a city whether that's right or wrong and obviously if you're at the bottom end of that scale you think it's like horrific and you know the peasants weren't treated great and all this other stuff like would that would that same hierarchical structure form in like a city, a new city with new rules? Would it just naturally form in that way? Potentially, yeah. I think it probably would. You would end up with that. But I guess it's just a matter of making it so that if you're at the bottom, it's better to be at the bottom of this place than it is in an existing city. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So like if you if you zoomed out of your triangle, you're like a triangle of, on the top of like other triangles. If yeah. the triangles represent cities or countries. Yeah. And... I mean, when you were talking about how, uh, you know, this is kind of where we're at now is almost like the culmination of, of thousands of years of, of progress and of civilization, society and, and democracy. But I feel like now there is a dissection of technology because we've now got technologies that we haven't, that we didn't have before with those in, when, upon the foundation of those institutions mm -hmm. in the sense that, you know, now you could create a, you could create a city and potentially decentralize and uh, have built from a technology your entire financial system. Yeah, yeah. Uh, through you know through creating a cryptocurrency that acts like that acts like Bitcoin, and now you're you know you wouldn't you wouldn't have I don't think you would you'd be able to have a city that is built on Bitcoin, but you'd have to build a technology that is transacts fast and you know and I suppose is is and, and just operates pretty much the same as Bitcoin, just the fact that the transactions are much faster. And it doesn't expend as much electricity, whatever. But you've then got your financial system is is decentralized, and nobody needs to nobody needs to control that. And so all these institutions that that exist can then be decentralized potentially, because you could have it whereby you create this idea of like direct democracy. So when you think about it, democracy is democracy is um, kind of delegated. So. We delegate it in the UK, we delegate, delegate it to either our city councillor or our member of parliament, depending upon uh, the, the type of the type of law and the, the various authorities involved. In right. America, you know, it's a bit different because America delegates it both to, would delegate it to their, their local people, they delegate it to their Congress people, and then they also delegate it to the president. Mm -hmm. uh, here we don't because we don't have a directly elected executive. But if you end up, creating a a system whereby you are digitizing this could you end up in a position where you are basically ruling by referenda mm -hmm. so 
I mean, we know that referendums are very decisive. Decisive, <laughs> very divisive in this in this country, not yeah. just in in the UK, not just from Brexit, but I think there's the one from before the Scottish independence referendum, which was also quite divisive. But you look at Switzerland. Switzerland has like lots of referendums, like in the space of a year, okay. and they have and they and that's how they uh, they do it. I think America governs quite a lot by uh, effectively referenda as well. So they have election. Well, they will have a, an election that is about legalizing weed or that is about allowing gay marriage uh, or or criminalizing gay marriage. I think that's that was one that was in California a few years ago. By having uh, technology where you're able to create that digitally so that you don't need to have polling stations, you can create, to an extent, you can almost create smart contracts that uh, enact the law and yeah. that, where the, the, what you're basic, the referendum is the modification of a smart contract that governs the city. Mm. I like, see where you're going with it. That, yeah. that could potentially become a thing where your governing is happening through through code because law, I mean, I guess the, the problem with law is law is not black and white. And that's the very reason why lawyers exist because yeah. it's gray and you've got decades of like jurisprudence. So when a law is created, you typically don't understand the law until it goes through court. Yeah. And then the decision of the judge in the court is what is then used in the future for deciding cases for that same law. They'll go, well, so-and-so in this case decided on this based upon this, blah, 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 blah. We're applying the same thing. You can potentially remove all of that by having code Mm. and by having smart contracts and AI judges. (laughs) But you could could have an entirely (laughs) technological system where... But but what I mean is, is like when we were talking about you were saying earlier about when the billionaire dies and an AI kind of takes over, or that be an AI of the billionaire. But what I'm saying is more of a, a, a similar thing, but it is effectively open source where you can see the insides and see the code that is running that AI. Mm-hmm. And then the referenda is deciding the modifications to that code. Like when a GitHub pull request is made, that is that effectively is a referendum. Yeah, yeah. Now I see where you're going because um, like most of the modern day cryptocurrencies now, like especially these new wave ones, have governance at the heart of all of them. And the governance of it is, is that people that hold that token, they kind of have a bit more weight than people that don't have as much of the token. Which you couldn't do. And, and I was thinking that, I was thinking of that system, but obviously you, you couldn't have that system in, or you could, you could have that system, but... But are you in the realms you, you, you of... You wouldn't want it. You wouldn't want it, but... Social score and stuff like that. Is that what you're kind of in the realms of there? No, I'm sa- no what I'm saying there is, I'm saying you could have that, but you probably shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> You'd want to avoid having that. Yeah. <laughs> because we want people to come to the city. Yeah. Sorry, so you were saying about uh, cryptocurrencies and, and the governance tokens. Yeah, and they, they, they have the governance and it is essentially what you've just described as, apart from the whole weighted thing of the more tokens you hold, the bigger the weight of your vote. It's a case of a major code change is going to happen on the network. The token holders have a chance to vote on whether this should be pushed through or blocked. And those that are within the majority of the vote that is passed, they are rewarded for essentially voting correctly. And the, the main reason for it is to avoid wild votes that are just completely out of the direction of of what they wanted to achieve in terms of like the vote they put forward, which I mean, it's, it's kind of is a good thing, but at the same time, it's a bad thing because it's almost like, well, you better vote what the majority votes because you won't be rewarded for not voting in that way, which does that now remove the, like the divisive opinions, which, you know, sometimes are a good thing and they can like being divisive in your, in your opinions, if it is a good thing. So like, you know, you look back on 50, 60 years where racism was rife, like institutional racism was like rife until people were divisive and said, no, this is completely wrong. If you aren't allowed to vote in that way and, and you're rewarded for voting as a majority, like, does that not happen? I'm not sure. But yeah, I mean, what, what you're saying about that in the form of like city's governance, it makes a lot of sense, actually. It does make a lot of sense. Because I don't, I've never understood why we have to go to a pol- polling station still. Like, come on, like we're in 2020. It yeah. just doesn't make sense. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I think what, what's interesting, actually, is the fact that at least just on the topic of, uh, of voting, as a bit of digression, is that uh, in the UK, our system for voting is so much simpler than America's, which is, it, from a technology perspective, ours are so much simpler. Mm. And yet 
we get no allegations of fraud. Like you don't get that because yeah. there's no technology because there's like no technology involved because it's a piece of paper that you you put a cross in. In in America, I mean, I, I've seen like how there's a thing of like Homer Simpson. There's a Simpsons episode where Homer Simpson's like trying to vote and he ends up, I think he ends up like voting for like the wrong person or whatever because he just can't work the machine that yeah. you get to vote. Um, but yeah, I think like the, the idea of digitizing voting, the, the, the problem is, is that it's something that probably will, that would have to be open source for everyone to be able to see. Yeah. Because obviously people um, would be prepared to do that. I mean, talking about blockchain technology as well is kind of like you, you're able to see openly the transactions that have happened. So then you kind of get the openness of the votes happening as they happen rather than the obfuscation of, well, I made this vote, but I can't be guaranteed that that is the actual vote that's getting counted. And that's kind of yeah. how you have them like corruption democracies, whereby your votes don't mean anything. In fact, it's already written. And I suppose that it's like, well, what impact does that then have of the transparency? Yeah. So in in the UK, and you're seeing it in uh, in America, there's a there's this big thing when it comes to opinion polling, which is called the shy Tory factor. The shy Tory factor. Right? Yeah. So and, and what it is, it basically says that conservatives often do worse in opinion polls than they do in reality because people don't want to admit that they are conservatives. Oh yes. Yeah. So it's this, so that's why I think you saw it in, it was in the 1992 general election in the 2015 general election when 2015, it was expected to be a hung parliament where basically that means in the UK, nobody gets a majority. The conservatives ended up winning because people didn't want to admit that they were Tories. And you saw it in, United States with the shock election of Donald Trump in 2016 because people didn't want to admit that they were voting for Trump. Same with Brexit Bre- as well, right? Brexit as well. People don't yeah. want to admit they were voting for Leave um, because they didn't want to be associated with that because of the divisiveness of things like what you voted Leave, then you're a racist, blah, 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 blah. Or what you voted Tory or you vote for Trump, that means X. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I do wonder if you, if you make it open so that everyone can see how somebody voted. I mean, what, what does that end up doing for society if you end up knowing that, uh, you know, because some of these things, like families have split up, like families have ended up like warring over some voting leave versus remain or some voting Trump over Clinton or, or Trump over um, or, or Trump over Biden. Mm. Uh, when, when you can then see that and it is on a blockchain of every single vote and it's completely transparent. But then you do not, you could anonymize it or go, because Bitcoin is pseudonymous, isn't it? So Bitcoin isn't anonymous because on the blockchain, you simply take up the pseudonym of the wallet address. Mm-hmm. I know, if I know what your wallet address is, I can see every single transaction that you make. Yeah, which is what people do. They can track, they can find it down and track. And then yeah. they, they make tweet bots out of that, basically. Yeah, but then you have something like Zcash where it is anonymous mm-hmm. and you could potentially pay a bit more. It takes up a bit more uh, transaction processing and it makes it anonymous rather than pseudonymous. Yeah. You could have that in the voting in a voting system where it is um, you know, zero knowledge proof and you don't need to, um, you don't need to have the, uh, mm. you don't need to, know for a fact who it was that voted that way or even then or even even it being pseudonymous yeah because as long as i don't know what your voter id is yeah but i guess with it being in that form that it still is kind of open to be able to be corrupted mm. because it's like well i can't tell you whose votes these are but i'm i'm guaranteeing you that they are actual civilian people but, but they could they might not be but, be but, no but way. that's how zero knowledge proof works, though. So Zcash has to know that somebody has got the money to be able to transact. Yeah. Okay. So in the same way that this one, you would have the proof that that person has the right to vote. Yeah. And you'd be able to va- validate that they have not voted more than once. Yeah. The funny thing about this, though, is this is kind of off the basis that you would like to hide your vote because of the being scared of like portraying your opinion. But if we're talking about rapture, I feel like you'd be living in that city because you agree fundamentally with everything that the person who has built that city has done. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, you're never going to have an opinion whereby there is going to be such a big referendum, such as Brexit within this like utopian city. Mm. Everyone will be joining that city to think the same way. I guess I've kind of taken a detour. I'm now thinking of away from a, a rapture that is run by a billionaire, but more a uh, independent city state that is decentralized mm-hmm. where 
it, it doesn't have this one billionaire and therefore people are living in it and you yeah you vote through um, smart contracts or smart contracts what govern the city uh, and I mean and I say I do wonder like how the police work because this is the thing like you can't smart contract against murder no. <laughs> like, like like I can't like I, I suddenly like I'm there about to stab you but unfortunately like I can't actually put the knife in you because the smart contract says that I can't do it yeah I, I was thinking like, or somebody dies and somebody's wallet is immediately terminated. And then like a tweet bot's like, wallet X has closed because somebody like immediately died. <laughs> so it's like, somebody's been murdered. Go, go, go. Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, I, I, and so that's it's like, how do you end up bridging that against like the smart contracts and stuff? So the smart contract would say, it might be a comment <laughs> that just says, <laughs> that says murder is bad or something, but it's not yeah. something that can actually be like written out because of like through logic. Yeah, and that's that's always the issue with computers, though, isn't it? It's like context. It's like contextualizing all these different levels that humans operate on. There's, it can only go so far, it seems. And like you, you obviously mentioned about policing, like would would there be need for policing in in Rapture? There's a load of people like saying defund the police and stuff, but like, isn't like proper police, like non-corrupt, non-racist policing, like isn't that necessary to keeping a safe society? Yeah, but. I mean, that's thing. Like, you could you could potentially think that a like could a police that let's say it's not corrupt, but is a very very powerful police, mm-hmm. is that not more of an incentive for people to behave? Yeah, it's just annoying, isn't it? Because in a perfect world, there would be no need for police because everyone would just behave in a normal way. But humans are dickheads. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, you can't actually create a good rapture with humans in it you could build it pristine but as soon as you infest it with us <laughs> it's like you're fucked it's going dead i think that's a i think that's a good way to end this because <laughs> i because i agree, I agree with there like you can't create a good rapture if there's humans involved i mean it was it, it, i kind of thought of it from like you know the mining the asteroid and like all of our spaceships just fleeting over to it it's almost like parasitic it's like yeah this asteroid is like had the misfortune to fly by Earth and then all of a sudden the parasite's been launched to just fucking mine it for everything it's got and like bring it back to the motherland, basically. It it's it reminds me a bit of um of the South Park episode Pinewood Derby, where the alien space gold gets dropped on Earth. And so Randy steals a thing from the Large Hadron Collider. Okay. And puts it into this Pinewood Derby into like this little like um, little small like toy race car thing mm-hmm. and basically it makes it so that because he wants to win he, w- he wants Stan to like beat this other kid and it basically like the, the way it goes is this uh, is this uh, this car just sort of just goes <laughs> and like breaks like the speed of light mm-hmm. and then what ends up happening is like this guy just re- this this guy called oh, what's his name like some it's got this really stupid name and he like drops space gold in. he's like oh this is stolen space gold right I need you to hide it for me whatever yeah and then the, the the police then come, the space police then come, and they're like, have you seen this gold? We think this guy's come. And they're like, oh, no, we, we've not heard any of that. We've not, we don't know anything about that. And it's like, it turns out that, like, Mexico's now got all these water parks and like, Mexico's <laughs> just gone and spent all of their money. And, um, and like, Finland say that they're then going to tell the, uh, the Finland say that they're going to tell the space police that everyone's got the gold and whatever. Yeah. And then all, and then basically like all of the, the nations then nuke Finland. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and they're like, Oh, we've not heard about Finland. And then they've, and then they all just pretend they're like, Oh no, not Finland. Oh no. <laughs> but it turns out it was all a test. Yeah. And they said, but you failed the test. Oh, okay. <laughs> and you've now got to get, and it kind of like represents the fact that like humanity is just shit. Yeah, yeah. And that we will just, it's like greed and, and the fact that we will just be greedy when it comes to it. And I yeah. guess, yeah, we are kind of like parasites in that respect. Yeah, because it's all about self gain, isn't it? And I was actually going to touch upon sort of nuclear capability for a rapture like city. Would that be like a priority? Say, obviously, away from like a Mars base or or an underwater base whereby you're kind of like hard to attack if you were within sort of the Nevada desert and you were 
operating within your own laws without any sort of federal law or anything like that, would the first thing be to like arm yourself to the teeth with like nuclear capability, which seems to be like, if you want to be a big economical power within Earth, you need to be, have some sort of like nuclear capability, like don't fuck with us. I guess the problem then is, is then you attract the attention of everyone. Yeah, yeah. Because if then, if then people discover that you're getting nuclear capability, like you're not allowed. Yeah. Like only only a few countries in the world, like it's like what it's um the UK, France, America, UK, France, America, China, and Russia mm-hmm. are like the only countries that are technically allowed nuclear weapons. Mm. You then got India and Pakistan have now got nuclear weapons as well, and they've proliferated their own. But you see like how North Korea and Iran have been trying to arm themselves nuclear weapons, and then suddenly it's like, oh no, you guys aren't allowed. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. they get sanctioned. So I guess this the city state, although you want to try and arm yourself with nuclear weapons, you're kind of struggling. But, so you can't join the club. But you look at like the the general military capability beyond nuclear, mm. and while nuclear, you know, is is probably the most powerful thing that we've that we as humanity have ever created from a, from a weapon perspective. But you know, arm yourselves with like drones. Yeah, like decentralized at, drone army. You look at what's happened. What happened in the Azerbaijani and. Uh, the Azerbaijani and um, Armenian conflict that happened recently. And that was basically fought through drones. That was like the Azerbaijanis just sort of like sending in these reconnaissance drones in mm. that would just identify all of like the targets, all of the strategic points. And then they'd have like the predator drones that would then just go, yeah. the Armenians. Like that's what you need. Like you just automate your, um, your, your military. Scary, isn't it? So there would be no need for an army. You just need a bunch of like, script kiddies basically in a room yeah mm. yeah mate listen to the uh balaji srinivasan you need to listen to it the balaji srinivasan episode of did he talk about that then? yeah, yeah <laughs> really interesting <laughs> cool. um, but i think that's that's a topic that we could uh, that, that we should probably have on this podcast like at a, a different time as like the the, the future of warfare well because think... the military is what's pushed a lot of technology change yeah i was gonna say even even on a more general scale about the future of violence Ooh. because that's that's changed in many ways like you look at like cyber bullying and stuff like that that's kind of like an act of digital violence isn't it, it seems. yeah mm. lot to think about thanks for listening to this episode of future talk if you enjoyed this episode please leave us a review on apple podcasts and if you'd like to suggest a topic for a future episode dm us on twitter i'm at bt kluska and i'm at harry moy everything we've discussed in this episode is linked in the show notes see you next week